Business Advance presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com house and you can get 20% off your order and free international shipping. This is episode 88. This is our rough and rowdy preview. I'm Jake and that's Will. This is the first episode we've done in person. In, in a while. In Since Cincy. Uh, yeah. Since Cincy. Since early March when we had... How many interviews did we get out of that? I mean... Five. <laughs> fuck. is a ton. You know what it was? It was because we had uh, Founders and Friends before. So we did at least like eight or nine, <laughs> ten... Ridiculous amount. <laughs> interviews uh, within... Within two days. Within 24 hours, actually. Uh, that was a long 24 hours. Um, but we made it through. It's episode 88. Um, I mean, where do we begin? The stock market's a shit show, first of all. Uh, Elon might bounce on Twitter because yes, of that's, fake users. That's on the agenda. Um, this has got to be the most volatile we've ever been in. Uh, it's recession season. I don't know. We, we might be getting there. Recession's here. Inflation's at an all-time high. Shortages on everything. Supply chain issues. We're, we're, I we're thriving. So I remember less than two years ago, we are maybe two miles from my favorite gas station in Providence, um, Gecko. The Capitol Gecko right next to the Capitol building. There, it's all, I mean, cheap gas... Dunkin' Donuts right there, so close to home. I paid one ninety four. Yep, back in June twenty twenty. Fucked up. Not good. I drove Not there. Good. I needed to get to Foxborough today. I'm like, all right, it's twenty five miles. You know, I'm getting a range of like fifty. Let me fill up now. I went out of my way to go to Capital Gecko. Four sixty nine. Cash. Gonna be, it's gonna be five dollars by June. Four fucking sixty nine. Then on the way home in Foxborough, they're like, yeah, you know, the cheapest gas, five bucks right there. I'm like, it's going to be $5 in Rhode Island by next week. 100%. Yeah, I think the average in Massachusetts is already up over five. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, I, yeah, I went out of my way because if you pay cash, you get a discount. And it was still 470 That's the world we live in. Um, yeah, inflation's like absolutely nuts um we'll, we'll get there too because we've got and this is regards to beer we'll get there shortly um we're live reviewing some beer um i think i live reviewed one a couple weeks ago on the show but yeah we're doing a live review in person again uh got the beers in front of us so this is raw unedited reactions here on beers business and balls um you want to go first yeah i mean Shout out to no free ads, but free ad, uh, Nikki Liquors in Providence, Rhode Island. If you haven't been, it's the spot. Leave. Yeah, it's the spot to go. Though I mean, you can get beer not only locally but all across the country, and you can buy it in individual individual cans. You don't need to be stuck in the four pack, which is, I mean, hot take. I love when breweries do it when you can buy the multiples because, you know, you want to try everything and not break the bank. I don't want to buy a four pack of one beer that I might not like. I know so, we can see like on the cans, it says the price of the can. Yeah. Which that's how you know. I mean, it will always be more expensive than buying a four pack, but oh, not who even, the hell cares? Not even though, because it's like they have Nikki's has 
a case price. So like oh, you can get 30 beers for like a hundred bucks. That's like 350 a beer. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it's not terrible. Yeah. So if you're um, like buying a case, I mean, I guess the normal person would say like, you're not buying a hundred beers, but look at what you do at Treehouse and look at everybody. Buy, yeah. You're buying that many. So the beer that I have, which I wanted to try, didn't get to go down to the place, but picked it up at Nikki's neighbor, neighbor, two of my favorite beers collaborating. My two homes, New York and Rhode Island. We have Gansett and Finback. Mm. So Finback is obviously known for those, you know, hazy IPAs, which is very surprising for a New York brewery because it's very new, you know, New England IPAs. And Gansett has the variety. But this is a sea salt lager. Lager with sea salt. 5% on the nose. Live review. Let's take it a sip. It's not bad. I mean, I wish they did an IPA. I wish they did an IPA. Like together. together. I thought you meant a sea salt. No, no, no. no. That would taste like, like shit. I wish the collaboration was an IPA, but I get it. You know, if you're going to come up to Rhode Island and you want the ocean sea salt and what Narragansett's good for, which is their Gansett lager, yeah. Yeah. this is the collaboration you're going to go. Um, you make a good point, though. It's better than other sea salt lagers that I've had because there's been a few that with different collaborations of Mexican restaurants that I know of, they're like, they're, they're yeah, they do fine the, at best. You they know, do the margarita thing. They do a little lime, yeah. sea salt. They do like the lime peels in the Yeah, bread. they're fine at best. This is pretty crisp. It's light. It's refreshing. It's a summer beer. It's a summer beer that if I'm out of the beach, I would definitely drink, which normally a Finback wouldn't be my beach beer. No, no, no. It would no. not be my beach beer. Narragansett, I mean, they have the Del Shandy and they have, you know, the, the classic lager. Well, I feel like they're Narragansett, and that's a separate conversation, but, like, their lagers are better than their IPAs. Yeah. In general. Like, now, Music Express or whatever it is, that's that's better. Yeah. So, what's, what's the review here? 375. 375. Yeah, high-end lager. I've never given a lager a four. I don't think I could. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I could. Um... Three seven five. It would flirt with four if it had a little bit more stronger flavors. Like if they did some kind of citrus with this, and again, that's not typical to a lager. It'd probably get the four for me. But three seven five, still very good. Still, I'd have it again. Lagers are not on my pecking order of priority. So, but it's lager time. It's getting it's there. Lo- it is lager time. It is lager time. It's close to lager time. Now, the only sea salt lager I've ever had. Was that Ocean Mist in, uh, shit, is that Wake? No, that's not Wakefield, is it? Yeah, it's Wakefield, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the one that was like kind of a margarita style. It was like, it, it was a, some Mexican restaurant that collabed with them. They contributed, you know, some of their flavors and spices and shit. Um, I liked it. I was just not prepared for the, the mash. But now it's like, that's very common now, which is weird. I guess I just wasn't ready for it. Um. I don't know. If they... I feel like if they made an IPA, it would be so much better. Yeah. 375. Um, that, that's solid, though. That's solid. I will go... Now, I'll, I'll carry the weight of IPAs for this podcast here. Um, and this is courtesy of you. Thank you. Thank you for picking this up. Uh, single Cut... Which is solid. Great place. Solid. Um, that's a New York place as well. They do... I. 
they're very close in style to Finback, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. um, you've got single cut, you've got Finback, and you've got, oh, shit, there's one other that's, that's like really popular in that kind of style of beer down there, and it's escaping me. It just, New York's a big old mess of beer. Um, and they've got really good beer in Brooklyn lately. Is it Finback in Brooklyn? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that must be it. Um, oh, Brooklyn Brooklyn Brewing. Yeah. That's a really good beer company. Um, the one I'm drinking now is Whammy Double Dry Hopped IPA. The color is really good. First of all, the fucking can art is my favorite part mm-hmm. of this beer. They have, uh, they have always good art, good variety. Yeah, I mean, they're, I think this is the group that's artists. Um, something like that. I don't know. But Whammy Double Dry Hopped IPA, this is really good. It's a bright yellow can art. It's like cartoon can art. Uh, it's clip art, basically, on the front. Uh, whammy and big red letters with blue piping. Um, this is Pacific Northwest hops, some Australian hops. I'm going to read you the untapped description because they do a great job. It's immensely tropical and balanced by a sticky resin finishing with sweet nectar and an intensely perfumed passion fruit aftertaste. Um, it says aroma and flavor of papaya, overripe mango, dragon fruit juice, and lemony cannabis. I do not taste the cannabis. The cannabis. I, I did not either. It says, plus the name is fun to say, too, which I, I just, every time I am taking a sip of this, I'm just thinking of, uh, shit, it's Anchorman with, uh, what the hell's his name? Chip something? Whammy! Yeah. <laughs> Whammy! I haven't watched. The sports guy. In a minute. It's a great movie. Great movie and better beer? Better beer. I'm going to give this, this is a four. This is a four for yeah. me. This is teetering on a 425 i want to taste this on draft because this is one of those beers that it's good i'm worried that it's not like we've talked at length about this for the two years we've had this show of what happens when you have more than like two or three of these Mm -hmm. and it all just fucking blends in with each other like i this is one that would get lost in the crowd um Whereas like a treehouse beer, a trillion beer, or something like that, along with beer, even you're like, oh, that that one I'm gonna remember. Yeah, this is good though. I'll take another sip just for, Nikki, for consistency. Nikki's has a lot of single cut. The only time I've never been to single cut in, it's either in Queens or Astoria. I'll find out. But I believe it's Astoria, which is like its next door neighbor. The only times I've had it though, because I just double checked, was once at Bayberry Beer Hall. I had like the Japan double hop, double dry hopped IPA, and then I had Willie and Gilly at Laura's. Yeah, and they do. Laura's does a lot of Finback. Laura does a lot of Finback, and so does Bayberry. Yep. So it must be whoever you know, whoever is connected to the accounts. It makes sense. And shout out to Laura's. Laura's always has a very good craft. Yeah. Again, no free. We're dishing out free ads left and right today. (laughs) Laura's Bar and Grill. Love them. Um, Single cut beer smiths. Astoria, Dittmar's, uh, Dittmar Steinway. So, right next to LaGuardia. So, if you if you need beer, um, well, yeah, I'll, I'll give this a four. You know, this is like, do you need? Be- well, finish your review. <laughs> this is a four. Um, I it, I don't I haven't had a bad single cup beer. Yeah, and that's no, they don't miss. Here's the thing: if you rank. I think single cut has a very slight edge on Finback because I have had, and I can't name you any of them, but I've had Finback beers and I'm like, eh, it's run of the mill. 
Um, most of Finback's beer is not. Most of Finback's beer is very good. I just think, when I think of Finback, I'm like, they make great IPAs. When I think of single cut, I'm like, holy shit, they haven't missed ever. Yeah. Um, so single cut has a million, a million check-ins at 4.02 on Untapped. Wow. Yeah, let's let the data speak to us. Now they do have over 200,000 unique. Mm. The reason I bring that up is Finback has a million check-ins, only 146,000 unique. Oh wow. 4.09. So more regulars giving them higher ratings, but you know, pretty standard multiple fours. That's see, that's even very close. Like you can't even make yeah. the distinction between the two at that point. But again, places that are four plus nationally on on, on untapped, like that's not a. There are not many yeah, places. There's so not many places like that I mean, have that many check-ins anyway. That's just also okay. have over four. I'm just curious. Long live. So long lives at four point two with two hundred thousand check-ins. Four point two million check-ins. No four hundred. No four point two is the rating. Oh. 400,000, 230 check-ins. I was going to say, there's then, no way they I have. mean, this is a Narragansett beer, so. Narragansett is at 3.34 with 450,000 check-ins. Well, how many how many of them are Gansett Lager, which isn't a bad beer, but it's a lager. Lagers and are not cash bad. and Gansett Light. They're all good beers, but lagers are not going to get you those fours. No. What's another one? And maybe... Hell, maybe their IPAs are like, uh, we're making our good faith attempt to get our untapped rating. I don't know. Gansett has, we were talking about this just before we hit record, Gansett has improved. I think drastically. Yeah, they, I mean, they needed that Providence location to do test experience, like test batches. They needed to be able to do, you know, their distribution is obviously your main five. It's Gansett Lager, it's Del Shandy, it's Oda, Autocrat. Um, oh fuck! Out. That's right. It's fresh catch, and then well, Gansett Light too. I Gansett think. Light, yeah. I but, think that's Gansett Light is a very popular beer yeah. now. But now they're starting to can their other things, which I saw at Nikki's and other places. Yeah. Um, every time you go, I mean, you have sours, you have Kolsch's, you have Oktoberfest, you have lagers, you have everything. So Gansett's. I would consider this like the third wave of Gansett because you obviously have like the 1800, 1900s, like OG Gansett. Then you have like the revitalization where it was like, have a Gansett with Jaws and like yeah. just your, your classic Rhode Island beer. But now they're getting into that microbrewery of, okay, we need to, you know, diversify our portfolio. And that's so interesting because it's like, Think about how much their taproom changed shit for them. Yeah. Because then you have people... Monumental. They're coming off the highway. I mean, I was there, like, not there, there, but down in that area, just taking a walk, India Point Park, um, on a Thursday afternoon at, like, 5. It's 70 degrees. Like, it's nice, but it's not like, holy shit, everybody's flocking to it. Packed. Packed at the brim. Um... That was sick. That was sick to see. I think that's... Uh, everybody recognizes the brand. It's like, oh, Gansett, sure, I'd love... And then you get the people that are coming through from Massachusetts or coming up the other way that are like, oh, yeah, let me pull off the highway um, and get a Gansett beer. I think that has drastically changed shit for them. Uh, speaking of tap rooms, by the way, got to shout out a Rhode Island brewery in Ragged Island. They just opened their They're farm. Just, which is good. 
finally. Which is good. They had a few delays. Uh, we talked to Matt Gray a few months ago. That was a big thing for them. And now they're open seven days a week. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Port, uh, Portsmouth, right? Yeah, like the Portsmouth. Southern. We got to do more Southern. I mean, we saw in the brewery bracket we did a few months, a few weeks ago. People are, the, there. there is definitely a divide in Rhode Island from the north and the south, which is wild, <laughs> like, know. silly enough to say, but it's wild enough because everything is super close in terms of um, driving. But again, we're implants, or we're implant, yeah, we're technically, right? What, us? Yeah. Is that what it's called, like moving from out of the state into Rhode Island? Like, I guess expats. Expats. <laughs> That's for outside of the nation. Yeah, I don't know. We can call we, ourselves expats in Rhode Island. So, like, we're coming in and it's like, oh, 45 minutes, that's not terrible of a drive. But now we're living here for a few years and it's like, eh, I really don't want to like, drive. Fuck, I'm going to go to Providence yeah. to TF Green. I really don't want to drive 30 minutes, especially when you're drinking. But moral of that story was Southern, Southern crowd really is gun pat, gun ho for their beers. Ragged Island, Newport Craft, Tilted Barn. I mean, there's people out here that are like, if you survey 100 people in this state on best brewery in Rhode Island, your two majorities are gonna be Long Live and Tilted Barn, and no one from the North is saying Tilted Barn, and no one from the South is saying That's the Long thing, Live. and there's just more people that drink beer in the South. That's what they do. It's Look at how much it's changed. I mean, now those like big breweries have a foothold there, and it's so tough for even new ones to get in South County too. Yeah, it's Not like many new ones. It's more new ones yeah, up here. Yes, like West Passage is kind of new. Yeah, but then again, you had Ravenous who came in in the top four, and well, that's we north. were that's there. When the hell did we go there? Two years November ago. of twenty. Yeah, late November October, early November, because that was when we took. Loyal listener Zach Mastriani to Skyrock in Attleboro. Good beer. Like that. We Good stopped. Beer. Well, we started at Crooked Curry. That's right. Interviewed. Shout out to Nicole. Yeah. Holy uh, shit. That was Then went great. up to Skyrock and then came back down to Ravenous. Ravenous was fucking packed. Fucking packed. There were dogs. There were families. There were kids. There were every... We were. I was shocked we got a table. Um, but that's another pocket. It's like you're, you're in Cumberland. It's 10 minutes to get on the highway and then another 15 minutes down here to this area. So it's like, where the hell do you start a brewery? You know, yeah. it's sort of just, you have to pick a market and really exploit the shit out of it. Um, in Rhode Island. So shout out Ragged Island now. Um, I'm looking forward to having some beers on their farm. Farm beers are great. We had Tilted Barn uh, a while ago. Uh, that was in the fall, I'm pretty sure. That was great. Something about it. Um, it's an excellent segue into our business segment now. You ready for me to piss you off? Let's hear it. I deleted my link here. Um, this, uh, I am so mad. I'm so mad for people in New York. We're talking a lot about New York today. $27 beers at LaGuardia. $27. And normally, like, you know, you go to an airport, you expect that you're going to pay more for I mean, we, what? Remember spring break, our senior year, we got to, it was 9 a.m. in St. Louis. We had a layover. 
We ordered mimosas, 20 bucks each. Just that alone is $100. She's like, it's an airport. What do you expect? It's ridiculous. Um, but here's the thing. $27 a beer. $27 a beer at LaGuardia. Um, one vendor was doing this in one of the terminals. Enough people complained about it that it made its way to the Port Authority's desk, and now they're not gonna sue them, but they're gonna implement a lot of changes there. Uh, they're gonna tighten the rules on concessions, quote unquote, at all New York City area airports after one vendor charged $27 for a beer. You wanna hear what beer it was? Probably fucking like, it wasn't craft, was it? Some people may say it is. You and I would say no. Is it Sam Adams? It is Sam Summer. Sam Summer, which you can get for maybe, I don't know. You can get Sam Summer at bars here for five bucks. I'm gonna read you the price list of what, it's called Beer Garden. 10% COVID recovery fee that did not go to workers. Too. Oh, fuck that. No, no, no. That was an addition to your $27 beer, by the way. Um, Greenport Black Duck Porter, $16. Sam Adams Boston Lager, $18. Angry Orchard was $16. Mick Ultra, $13. A New Belgium Fat Tire, which, mind you, you can get a four-pack up for maybe 15 bucks. $20 on draft. At Beer Garden in LaGuardia. Uh, so, here's what went down. Enough people complain. Port Authority, who owns all the airports in New York, gets involved. And they say, we're done here. If you, uh, you know, basically they introduce rules that cap your ability to sell at a premium because you're an airport of course you want to sell at a premium at 10 percent but you need to meet a bunch of other additional criteria which is like having lower priced options even if it means you guess less or get less um and all these people got their beers refunded that Good. complained i mean listen like i understand you're at an airport your options are limited if you want a drink you want a food they can do whatever the hell they want because it's like you're at a five-hour layover and you want to get drunk, here, you're, where are you going to go? Right. I mean, I've always said that when you go into the concession stands. I'm not one to bring food into the airport. I think it's just one more thing to pack. Obviously, you can't pack liquids, but I try not to snack on shit or eat a lot because you're going to have to pay a fucking penny. And you're on your flight, you're going to get some kind of snack or beverage. So it's like just Right, odds are it's going to be free. You know, just – well, you, you already paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, well, true. Yeah. You get your – but – I hear you. You get, what's the one thing, like you and I just traveled. The one thing I do every flight I go on is get a big ass bottle of water the second I get through security. Yeah. And it's six bucks, but I'm it's like, like, all right, yeah. cool. This is, uh, I'm going to cut my losses. Odds are we're not getting there like too early like the previous yeah. generation does. So it's like, hold out. Get your water. You can drink on the plane too. Yeah. Sometimes and I usually I usually buy those big bottles and then refill them on the way home mm. if I hold on to it. I should just start bringing a reusable water bottle. But it's one more thing to pack. It's well, one right, more thing yeah. to worry about. I don't feel like losing a forty dollar Yeti but still, on a trip. You know, it's not twenty five bucks like this fucking beer was. Yeah, it's, the beer is five. The beer is ridiculous. You know? The COVID fee. I get it. Listen, everyone was struggling. Everyone's hard. The fact that. None of the like this place isn't making their own beer. You're getting outside beer, and a company like Sam Adams, twenty seven dollars. 
like you make so much money that like piss off on that. It was so here was the response from the from the vendors. It said a clerical error with a listed price of a seasonal beer was the reason for it. It says the specific beer was offered last summer. More than 130 restaurants and bars operated by this single vendor across the country. And this one location is the only place it was keyed in error. I call bullshit on that. Yeah. I don't know. I just think uh, these guys price gouging are really... Uh, they're gonna get it. They're gonna get some bad shit happen to them. So. Rightfully so. Rightfully, rightfully so. I don't know. Uh, crazy. So that's our business segment. We'll keep it nice and quick. We've got two great interviews in the ball segment here. Uh, Lights out. Bobby Lang was awesome. He gave us a lot of time right in the middle of fight preparation. He's fighting um, Big Dick Booty Daddy. Never piece of I shit here. He's a real piece of We're shit. We're journalists. We're media. We're Big J. <laughs> but piece of shit. Oh God. So uh, so this is our Rough and Rowdy preview. Let's get right into it. It's Lights Out Bobby Lang. Here it is. All right, everybody. With us this week, the one and only, the pride of Braintree, Massachusetts. Coming in at 5'10", 188 pounds, 6-0 all-time record, and the heavyweight champion, undefeated heavyweight champion, Lights Out Bobby Lang on the podcast. Let's fucking go. We're ready. Fight week. I mean, the pride of the pride of Braintree, Bobby. How are how are you today? Not bad. How you guys doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. I mean, you know, let's just get right into it. Obviously, we're gonna you know cover the big fight. We got that asshole, big dick, uh, booty daddy that just yeah. keeps running his mouth. But let's go all the way back to the beginning. I mean, you're from Massachusetts. What made you get into boxing, and why rough and rowdy? Uh, I don't know. I just fucking was always a Barstool fan, like, you know, me and all my friends or whatever, always followed Barstool and then Rough and Rowdy, when they first bought Rough and Rowdy, and it was, I think it was back in like 2017, we used to always joke around about how if it came to New England that I'd have to sign up for it, and I used to always say I would, and uh, like, obviously, like, not not ever knowing that it actually really would, just when, you know, I was younger, and I was like, yeah, I'll fucking, if it ever comes here, I'm, do it, I'm definitely doing it, and then it actually did come to New England, so I had to put my money where my mouth is. And every, all my friends were holding me to it. They're like, dude, you got to fucking do it. You got it. Like, you talked all this shit all these years. Now it's, you know, it's 2017 when we started talking about it. 2019 is when it finally came. So two years of me saying, yeah, I forgot if it comes to New England, I'm doing it. So then it finally came. And I was like, all right, I, there's no backing out now. I have to sign up for it. So I did. And then I, obviously I fought in it. And I've, you know, done pretty well. Yeah. I mean, now five years later from when you had that thought and – you're undefeated. I mean, that's like, do we, do we call yeah. you arguably America's favorite rough and rowdy fighter that very well could be uh, a claim to the throne there, but what's uh, you know, you've been doing this a while now uh, undefeated. What's been the, the memories that stick out? Maybe it's something from early. Maybe it's something from recently. Like what's your favorite rough and rowdy memory? Uh, I think my favorite memory is just uh, when I became the champ, like so my second fight i went up i went up in like a weight class and i fought like the heavyweight champion that's why i've, I've been fighting guys that are all bigger because i'm kind of i kind of got stuck fighting bigger people because i went up a weight class to fight you know what i mean like they asked me if i do it and i said yes but then once i won i didn't really think it through like uh once i became the champ of that weight class now i have to keep defending it so i have to keep fighting guys bigger than me but at the time it was this guy travis Terman, who was like 270 pounds and they, it was after my first fight in Providence, I did good. So they were like, hey, you, we want you to, you know, fight our champion, a heavyweight champion. Will you do it? And I was like, yeah. 
So I, I agreed and I went and fought him. And uh, obviously everyone thought, everyone was like counting me out because he was so much bigger than me. Everyone thought I was going to lose. So I, it was a good feeling just fucking, I love shutting people up. You know what I mean? I love like the hate, like telling the haters to go fuck themselves. And like, you know what I mean? Everyone's, everyone's saying I'm going to lose. And then I, I went down to Miami and I fucking beat this guy and I became the champ. So I think just, just purely the fact that like everyone doubted me and I got to fucking throw it in everyone's face. That was probably my favorite moment. I mean, that's pretty sick too, for the fact that like, it, I mean, everybody was like, nobody's going to beat jeans, you know, yeah, they all, yeah. they were all like, holy shit. Like, you know, Bobby Lang's going to walk in there. Jeans going to walk out and, you know, yeah. like how cool was that to have literally everybody and, you know, that was watching. They're like, yeah, this guy's going to get his ass kicked. And then you show up and you, you steal the belt from him. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, that's what I mean. That was the best feeling ever, but he's actually a good guy. Nothing against him, but just the, all the other shit, you know, all the, uh, the hype around it and stuff, everybody talking, like, you know, people saying I'm gonna get fucking killed. He's too big. You know what I mean? And then, uh, I live for that shit. Like I love fucking, I love when people doubt me. You know what I mean? Like I, I fucking keep doubting me. You know what I mean? I don't give a fuck. People thought I was a Pac-Man too. How'd that go? You know what I mean? So keep fucking doubting me. I'll keep fucking winning. I was going to say, I mean, the Pac-Man Jones one, obviously everyone, you were already still, I mean, you're still undefeated, but you know, coming in at five and zero, oh, but it was an NFL, you know, vet. Everyone's like, oh, you know, you know, yeah. Pac-Man and Bobby Lang, but you showed up. Yeah. You showed yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, same thing. You know I mean? Uh, obviously, he's a tough dude, and he was like, you know, he's a beast athlete. He's fucking – he was a Heisman winner too, right? Like, even before the NFL, then he won the Heisman. I think so, yeah. Yeah, Probably. so, I mean, he was – obviously, he's a fucking stud athlete. Like, just, you know, his accolades clearly, you know, back that up. But – like I said, I've been boxing a lot longer and I have more experience fighting. And I was, so I was pretty confident that I was going to win. Like, I was like, dude, this guy's never, never been in the ring before. Like this is, you know I mean? I, this is like, if it was a fucking, if we were playing, you know, Oklahoma drills or something, I'd be, I'd be in trouble. But luckily, you know, luckily it was a boxing match. So I was pretty confident I was going to win. But like you said, everyone else, everyone else was doubting me saying, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's too athletic. He's going to be too quick, this and that. So like a same, you know, same thing as, when I fought German, it's like, whatever, man, like, fucking, I don't care what other people say, like, the haters can go fuck themselves, like, I don't give a fuck, like, I know what I'm capable of, so let's, we're gonna have to find out in the ring. How hard was that, too, like, what's different about the preparation, knowing that this is an NFL guy, is it the same, or are you working on different stuff, like, tell us about how you approach Pac-Man versus everybody else. Um, I just, I knew he's gonna be a lot faster than what I was used to, like, I, I knew he wasn't just going to come meet me in the middle of the ring and try to throw down with me. Like most people that I fight do. I was like, he's honestly, he's an NFL athlete. He has like, you know, he has money to hire like the best trainers and the best, you know, he's going to have like coaches and trainers that are teaching him what to do. And anyone with a brain is going to be like, don't, don't just go meet this kid in the middle of the ring and try to fucking fight him. Like that's what he's good at. So be at, be, you know, do what you're good at, which is being athletic. Like he's more athletic than me. Try to try to, you know, move around me and be, you know, basically just uses athleticism to, to beat me. So I assumed that going into it. So I, you know, I prepared everyone I spot with, you know, we kind of like game plan for that. You know, it wasn't going to be a fucking brawl in the middle of the ring. It was going to be like, I have to be more tactical about it and, uh, you know, just be able to throw a lot of punches. So I, I worked on my cardio, made sure my, I had to make sure that I was able to, you know, throw as many punches as I wanted to for the entire fight. Um, just keep moving, like a lot of, you know, footwork, moving around, just, just knowing that he, I knew it, I knew he was going to be quick going side to side. So I was like, I got to make sure I can keep up with him. So, yeah. So I guess I definitely um, had a different approach for that one. I had to just, you know, change up my training a little bit, but 
other than that, it's still at the end of the day, it's just a fight. It's, you know what I mean? It's all the same. It's getting the ring and fight the other guy across from you. Yeah. So what's the preparation been like for this fight? I mean, it's been a few months since you, your last time in the ring, but uh, we have a very vocal opponent on the other end of the, uh, on the other end of the corner. So what's the training been like? And, you know, without giving away too many secrets, you know, what can we expect from you this week? There's, there's really no secrets that I even have to worry about giving away. I think this guy's an absolute fucking squid, like the biggest clown that I don't even know why they're wasting my time fighting this fucking clown. Like, so I, I'm not the least bit concerned about this guy. I don't take anyone lightly. So I've been, I've trained for this guy just as hard as I've trained for everybody. Cause I never take anyone lightly. I'm never going to be like in fucking Rocky three when he, you know, underestimates Apollo Creed, not Apollo Creed, uh, fucking club Lang and he gets, he gets fucking destroyed. Like that's never going to happen to me. Cause I don't take people lightly. But with that being said, this guy's fought two absolute fucking bums. He, you know, like he hasn't impressed me at all. I've watched both his fights. They didn't impress me. I don't, I just think his skills are fucking light years beneath mine. And he's just a big fucking meathead loudmouth. And think he thinks he's going to be able to overpower me. Like he overpowered his last opponents, but it's not going to happen because I'm, I'm a different fucking breed than what he's used to fighting. Like I'm not some fucking, some fucking redneck that they found it, you know, at a, at a fucking bar down in West Virginia and had him thrown, thrown the ring with no training. Like, I actually fucking know what I'm doing and I'm, 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 I'm by no means a pushover. So he's not going to fucking be, if he's, if his game plans to meet me in the middle of the ring and overpower me, he's, he's, he's going to be fucking sadly mistaken. Hell yeah. I love it. That's love a, it. That's the playbook. That's <laughs> just go beat the shit out of him and, and that's it. So what we've yeah. always wondered this Bobby as well. Like, what do you, obviously you, you're a pro, right? Like you're, you're going and training and whatnot, like, you know, yeah. very seriously, you're taking it, you know, as you should, you're, you know, an athlete, but so what's, what's that process look like between fights? Is it obviously you have to ramp up the training a little bit before, but you know, what are you doing sort of in between fights to, to keep yourself right? I train year round. Like it just, like you said, I, I, I ramp it up like the closer you get like two, two or three months out from a fight is like when they get oh, 10 weeks, I guess technically is like what a legit fight camp would be. So you like, you know, for that 10 weeks, I have a trainer that like schedules everything out, like sparring, um, strength and conditioning, uh, basically everything going over game plan skills, like working on like, you know, skills and shit that I'm going to have to use in the ring. Um, but I still, year round, I'm still training. I'm still doing strength and conditioning and boxing and sparring, just, just not like with the same, same uh, intensity, I guess, but not the same like purpose. Like, you know, year round, I'll just be sparring. I have a crew of people I spar with. And they're all different styles, you know what I mean? Different sizes, different styles. But then when you like know who you're fighting for like your opponent, you have to find some people to spar with that are similar to who you're gonna be fighting. You know what I mean? Like if you fight, like this guy's a southpaw. So I've only spotted southpaws for the last couple of months. You know what I mean? So like normally during like the off season, we'll call it, you know, once a week, I, I meet up with people and spar with them. It's all, you know, it's, it's like a, a circuit of like five or six different guys that I spar with. So they're all different styles. They're all different sizes. You know what I mean? So it's just, cause it's just like, maintain i guess like staying sharp or whatever but then once you're like all right this is the guy you're fighting you know two months two or three months or, or whatever that's when it's like all right i gotta only spy people that are similar to him you know what i mean like his size his like self like i said a self bar um and uh just like the guy i've been spying with who's actually my trainer who my trainer is a really good boxer himself he can go but he can go back and forth in itself bar and orthodox so he's just been coming at me self bar and he's been imitating this guy's style for what we've seen him do so he's going in there and basically replicating what this guy does so it's gonna be so i'll be you know so it's basically like i'm programming myself to like fight a certain person a certain way but i guess more so i'm fighting i'm preparing to fight 
a person that fights a certain way. Not necessarily that I'm going to change my, what I do, because I'm, what I do stays the same regardless. Just, you know, have to, you just have to approach it a little bit differently depending on what your opponent does or what, you know, what he's all about. So, I mean, this is going to be, you know, multiple, multiple fights that you've already done. Is there any atmosphere that really stood out to you? I mean, Providence was obviously your home, you know, your home turf more or less, but what has been that most electric atmosphere out of all of them? Um, Providence was definitely the most electric. That was because it was fucking crazy. Obviously, I was my, you know, I'm from New England, from Massachusetts. So obviously it was like all local guys. I had all my fucking, all my boys were there. Like they legit took a, my friends all rented a bus. They had like 50 people on it. They took a bus from, from Braintree, where we're from. Uh, and they drove straight down there. It was fucking, and I left, I went home on the bus. Like I was supposed to stay in the hotel that night. And I just said, fuck the hotel. I was like going home on the bus. And I, I got my car the next day. Because <laughs> my buddy, one of my buddies was having a huge party after. And like the whole bus was going there. So I was like, I was like, gonna, I was like, fuck. The, I, I was like, why would you not? Yeah. 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 I was like, whatever. I guess I'm just coming back. And my wife was like, we can't, what are we going to do? Leave our fucking cars here? And I was like, yeah, I get, well, we drove together. So I was like, whatever. I'll just take the other, like, I, you know, we took her car there. So I was like, I'll just take my car back tomorrow and we'll just drive back separately, get the car. So we left on the bus. So. Yeah, we went back and it was, that was pretty fun. That was a, that was electric atmosphere. Um, Miami was pretty crazy. Uh, the next few after that didn't have fans because of COVID. So, mm -hmm. uh, it was, you know, there was like, well, it was, there was like a little bit of fans, like, cause it, they had like, you know, everyone involved was, was allowed to bring like three or four guests or something. So like, there's still like a couple hundred people there, I guess, but like all the other ones have like thousands, you know what I mean? So like the last one was actually pretty fucking crazy too. But uh, it was in West Virginia, and obviously Pac-Man played at West Virginia University, so they're all like, he's like a hero down there, you know what I mean? So they like nobody was on my side, you know. What yeah. I mean, I was like, I was the away, it was like an away game for me, you know what I mean? So it was a crazy crowd, but they they weren't cheering for me, they were cheering cheering for him. So whatever, not not that I give a fuck anyway, it doesn't matter to me. But. You got it done, you got it done. Yeah. So you know, obviously pro boxer, pro fighter, but on the other end, content creation. To name the game now. I mean, you're you are the ho one of the hosts of Tale of the Tape. So give us a little yeah. uh, content pitch. Tell us about your podcast. Yeah, it's just a podcast about. Uh, it's supposed to be about like combat sports, like boxing and MMA. But we end up just talking about all fucking other crazy shit. Like, uh, obviously, you cover every sport, but it's supposed to be primarily focused on combat sports. But it's about we did gambling. We you know we give our picks for who we who who we're betting on for every big fight or whatever. Um, but we end up just talking about nonsense. It's pretty funny. Uh, the guy, so Hedgebet is the name of the, the, the platform that it's on. It's, uh, this company that's like a, a it's like a podcast plat platform, I guess. It's like a network of podcasts are all, you know, connected or whatever. It's run by Hedgebetter and they have their own studio. And uh, I don't know, we just go in there and fucking film funny shit. And I don't know, it's pretty funny. If you, I don't know if you've ever heard it, but you know, we get, we get, uh, we get some good reviews on it. Absolutely. And I mean, so the, the last biggest fight was obviously Canelo. Which side were you on for that one? Did you call the upset or were you, uh, were you riding with Canelo? I, up until that, I thought Canelo could not be beat by anyone. So I, I, like, I, I know he was going up a weight class, so he went up to light heavyweight and that's, that should have been like, I should have saw that come in. Like maybe this, maybe there's something here that, you know, maybe no one's giving this other guy credit, but I, I, I have to admit, I obviously was all about Canelo. Like, my brother actually texted me that night, asked him about betting on it. And he was like, he was like, what should I take Canelo? Like, like, I feel what he said, like by knockout, like over under how many rounds, this and that. 
Cause like just betting them straight up, it was like fucking minus 500 or something crazy. So I was, I don't know. I just remember that I texted him being like, I don't know. All, all I know is that Canelo's going to win. That was what I, so I was way, yeah. you know, I, just I mean, everybody so, else, yeah. Right? everyone, yeah. everyone. Actually, I think I told my brother just to lay the money. I was like, just put whatever you want on him to win. Cause it, it's five to one, but it, he never loses. So you get, it's whatever you type into the win column, just don't even pay attention to the risk column. And oh. uh, he obviously lost because I think he took him to not. I think he took him to win by knockout or something, and obviously he didn't definitely even come oh, close. So, so yeah, but I didn't bet it because it was too big of a line. Like I like I usually don't, I usually stay away from like you know heavy favorites like that, but they can't really make money off it. But I would have bet Canelo. I you know, I thought he was gonna win for sure. I'm I was surprised, but like I said, going off the weight that's that changes the game. People like forget about that. Like weights of size is a big dip. Like. People always say the size doesn't matter. It definitely size definitely matters. Like anyone who tells you otherwise doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. Maybe in a street fight, but in a fucking professional fucking fight between two boxers, even MMA, two like going up a weight classes. That's a you're putting yourself at a huge disadvantage. So obviously, if you you know if you're skilled enough, you can win still. But you're putting yourself at a disadvantage just by going up. So obviously, it didn't work out in his favor. Yeah, a lot of talk about Canelo, but for you, Bobby, too, is there anyone that you know, you sort of uh, emulate or maybe like, you know, you, you learned a lot from as from a from a fighting standpoint. Like, is there anyone that you look at and say, yeah, I want to fight like this guy? Uh, Mike Tyson. I always I've watched every single one of Mike Tyson's. Obviously, I'm you know, I'm I'm 30 years old. So when Mike Tyson was in his prime, I was like not even alive yet. And then, you know, he fought <laughs> he fought up until fucking like early 2000s. So I remember watching him as a little kid. Like, I think his last couple fights, I was like 10. 10, 11, 12 years old or whatever. But I've, I've gone on YouTube and watched every single one of his fights. Like anything on YouTube of him, I've watched. Cause I, I, I try to like, I try to not exact, not like, you know, completely copy it, but I try to like use a lot of his style in what I do. Like, cause I'm, sh- I, I'm short and stocky just like him. So he found a way, basically his style of boxing is a way that short and stocky guys can beat bigger, taller guys with bigger, you know, longer reaches. Cause it, being tall and have a reach is a huge advantage, but if you know how to get inside of it, then you can, you know, you can still win those fights. And that's what he was like the best at. Like he used to fight guys for a heavyweight. He was five, he's five ten, same height as me. He's pretty fucking small. He's fighting guys way bigger than him. And he, but he used to get right inside of them and fucking, you know, fucking go to the body go up top. Fucking he just, he used to just beat the fuck out of people that were way bigger than him. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do the same thing. So I, I kind of, I watch his style and I try to, a lot of things that I see him do, I try to, replicate i try to go in there and do the same thing he does i don't do as good as him obviously but you know i'm trying hey, you might you might get there yeah. <laughs> we've got faith in you for sure undefeated now um who's who's a guy that you look at and you're like yeah i want to fight him like who's your dream matchup uh to be honest i don't really know because like it changes all the time like i always have idea like an idea of who i want to fight next and then next thing you know something else comes up and i end up like not forget about that idea and i'm gonna fight this guy like you know what I mean? Like fucking Pac-Man obviously came out of nowhere. Then after I beat Pac-Man, there was talk about me fighting Frank Gore and then it never happened. Um, oh so that's what Frank I mean. Gore. Like I didn't, I, I would have never in a million years have been like planning on fighting Frank Gore. Like, but then, I <laughs> but then that was like almost a reality. Like that almost happened. And then he went and fought Deron Williams instead. So, but that was, what a world was we him, live in. Frank Gore was, fighting Deron Williams. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I know. But that was, before before that happened like we were talking to him like that was like a thing like we they didn't like announce this publicly i don't even think i'm allowed to talk about it but too late now 
but uh <laughs> it's still like on the table like it might happen down the road but that that's what i mean so shit like that comes out of nowhere sometimes like i wasn't planning on that then it's like oh shit this might happen all right let's do it you know so um I could give like a stupid answer like everyone expects. Oh, Jake Paul, Logan Paul. Like it's I was gonna say, I think you can clear Jake Paul's clock. <laughs> yeah, I I do too, but that's the, it'll never happen because yeah. and me I talked to uh Dave Portnoy about this and he was even like, Yeah, like we're never gonna land them. So don't he was like, Don't waste your time calling them out. Like it's never gonna happen. So he's like, call someone out that's actually attainable for us. So, but that's, that's the thing, I, like, because if you're Jake Paul, you're like, oh shit, like, you know, he probably obviously like thinks of you as a nobody, right? And he's like, oh my god, if I lose to this guy that you know, this random dude from South yeah. Shore, like, then what does that mean for me? You know? No, I agree. That's exactly what it is. It's 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 way too big of a risk for him. Not enough. Oh yeah, him. you've got everything to gain, and he's got literally everything to lose. But. Yeah, ex- exactly. So we're team Which lights out. Kind there, of like, but. kind of like exactly how I'm in this situation. I'm in this situation. It's it's like the roles reverse, but the guy I'm fighting, like he has everything to gain by fighting me. I literally have nothing. When I beat him, it's gonna be like, oh, sick, you beat a fucking scrub. You know what I mean? But why well, I didn't even want to fight him, but now I have to. So whatever, too late now. I'm fighting him. But. Keep the undefeated record. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. We'll go into the massive. I just want to let the record reflect, though. When when I when I fucking destroy this guy, I don't want to hear people talking like, oh, I took an easy fight, like. This wasn't me. I didn't. This he called. I mean, he, he, he called you. This he was all him. Out. Fucking him calling me out. Vastu fucking had a field day with it because he talked so much shit. Like all the people saying they want to see it. So I, I didn't have a choice. I got like forced into this. So I have to fucking, you know, I got to put this kid in this fucking place. But Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I already know after I beat him, people are going to be able to act like I fucking took an easy fight and I didn't. Yeah, no, he, he did. We'll, we'll be, we'll let the record show. He did start yeah. it. He was talking the shit. Yes, we'll, we'll make that public. We were, we were watching it in the fall, and it was like, what is this guy saying? He's just like, I mean, one, he's spitting everywhere, and it was just like, just talking yeah. rubbish, and then he kept calling you out and kept talking about your wife and everything. It's like, holy shit, guy, pump the fucking yeah. brake. Yeah. <laughs> Thing is, I get it. I'm, I understand, like, how it works. Like, you, like when I was in his shoes, I was I wanted to fight the champ, too, I, and I did. I wanted to, Travis Turman was their guy. He was their fucking best fighter. I wanted to take what he had. So now that I'm in that position, I fully understand being on the other side of it. Like, yeah, they want to take what I have. They want to be the champ. They want to, you know, they get, they want to beat the champ so they can be the champ. Like I get it. But the way he went about it, I don't agree with, like, I'm, I think I would never talk with someone else's family. Like, you know, leave my fucking family out of it. Leave my wife out of it. They have nothing to do with it. You know, say whatever you want about me, talk all the shit you want about me, but just leave my fucking wife and my family out of it. I, I mean, I would never cross that line with anyone. I'm on a fucking piece of shit, but this guy is. So, you know, that's why I don't, if he was just talking about me the whole time, I wouldn't care. I would say, whatever, man, you know, you gotta, do, you gotta say what you gotta, whatever you, you'll say, whatever you can to make the fight happen. You're trying to, you know, advance yourself in the promotion. You're trying to make more money by fighting me. I get it. But like I said, leave my fucking wife out of it. Then I, you know, that's what I have a problem with. And I, I'm like, I would never cross that line with anyone, even, even him, this fucking dickhead. I didn't respond by talking about his family because I'm not like that. You, you know, people all telling me, give me, people sending me fucking dirt on his, on him. Like people were like, Oh, I know he fucking got divorced and this and that, like telling me shit about his family. And I'm giving me, trying to give me like ammo to say back. And I'm like, yeah, man, thanks. I don't, but I'm, I'm not going to go there. Like, I don't do that. Like that's, that's beneath me. I don't act like that. No, I, I'll, I'll just go there and beat the shit out of him. How's that? It's about the respect. It's about yeah. the respect. Absolutely. So before we close out, I mean, you're a Massachusetts guy. Can the Celtics win it all? Uh, I hope so. I mean, 
I'm already pissed the Bruins lost. So I guess now the Celtics are all we have left. So not the I Red mean, Sox. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not that, not yeah. this year. Too early to talk about the Red Sox right now anyway. What's your pecking order? I'm a Bruins guy. So, trust me, game seven the other day, I was fucking – they they didn't get even close to enough shots. It was fucking – you know, they're moving the puck around way too much on the power play, which I get. You got to set it up. But it's like, shoot the fucking puck. When you're in the slot, you have the puck. Shoot the fucking puck. They've had game it all seven, year, though. You got to get pucks on that. I know. Well, it's game seven. You get – you got to get you down by two goals. <laughs> fucking get some pucks on that. You're never going to – you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, you can't save them for – you can't save them for another day. You got to get, get to get everything out. Uh, yeah. Does Bergeron come back next year. I hope so. But I, I mean, all the, all the sources are saying otherwise. So I know. unfortunately that sucks. He's had a good career. I mean, he's fucking what? 37 years old and in the league since he was 18. Like that's a long fucking time to be playing professional hockey. So, and he's been beat up, you know, concussions and fucking injuries and shit. So I, you know, I don't blame him for leaving if he does, but hopefully we get another year or two out of him. Yeah. That Boston sports, baby. I mean, we're ready. We're ready for this yeah. week. I mean, this is going to be one hell of a fight. We're excited to always watch. Uh, before we close out, any last words for, uh, you know, booty daddy? For him, nothing. I got nothing to say to him. He's a fucking clown. He's He talked his way into a fight that he's not fucking ready for, and I'm going to beat the fuck out of him. Plain and simple. That's it. That's, that's a very simple message. Uh, Bobby lights out Lang on Rough and Rowdy on Friday. Bobby, appreciate your time, man. Appreciate you taking time out of your uh, your day training and stuff to, to be with us. Uh, how can everybody watch the fight, and how can everybody keep up with you? Um, to watch the fight, you just go to buyrnr.com or just Google Rough and Rowdy or Google Barstool, and it'll pop up, and just click on it. And it's just like it's like a link. You click on a link, put your credit card in. It's like 20 bucks or something, and you get to watch it that way. And me, uh, I don't know. I got Instagram. Lights out lying on Instagram. That's it. Hell yeah. I don't have any Twitter. People always like, you got to get a Twitter, you got to get TikTok. I don't have any of that shit. All I got is Instagram. So but follow me man. if you want. If not, you know, best of luck to you. Hell yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. Bobby, we appreciate it. Good luck. We'll be rooting for you and uh, take home the W. Go lights right, out, thanks, baby. Guys. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. <laughs> and that was just lights out, Bobby Lang. Rough and rowdy by rr.com. Support the local legends. Braintree in Providence, yin and yang, New England. But uh, no, Rough and Rowdy is always fun. I mean, first time, we're Barstool guys, obviously. We've had Donnie, Frank, Hubs. We've had we've had the fellas on, Erica, one day. But we, soon, uh, yeah, soon, hopefully. But we, we went to Providence, Rough and Rowdy, what was that, fall of 19? It was. It was November 2019. And honestly, one of the most fun sporting events I've ever been to. I'd concur. Um, I strictly because we saw Big Cat sing the national anthem. Yeah, but it was like <laughs> it was in terms of like when you rate a so, like a sporting event. Like obviously, like the sport itself needs to be something you enjoy. But the whole experience. It was 15 minutes away. We hung out with Stu Finer online yeah, for 30 minutes. We got beers that were the 20 ounce tall boys for like $10. I got to meet Prez. It was just like an all in all good day. That looked, I mean, I will never forget the image of the floor afterwards. Yeah. There were, you couldn't walk without stepping on a beer can. No. That was insanity. Right in the Rhode Island Convention Center that has like a home and garden like the week after. This was before I was like a, 
and I wouldn't really consider myself like you know we're barstool guys you definitely keep up more than I do but like that was the first moment that we walked up and we saw just all I knew him as is a guy in a tuxedo it was fucking Stu Finer the first person we saw number one it wasn't even like we got out of the Uber we got in line and then Stu Finer's right behind us Unreal. What did, he didn't have his own entrance at that point. I know. He couldn't go in with the staff. He probably could have, but he was high as a kite. He was definitely high. High as a kite. He so. had his top hat. He had his cane. He had the. He even he, you even asked him for reviews. Like uh, he said a bunch of shit, and he's like, "So I don't." That was crazy. Rough and rowdy, but we support our guys. Happy to have them on the podcast and uh, ready to roll. Dude, fuck big big booty daddy. First I know that guy's. Guy has a mouth. I'm so team lights out. Gotta be. Um, Undefeated heavyweight champ. And he's gonna be. If you're listening to the Saturday, it'll be 7-0. Mm-hmm. That's our show. Yeah. I was gonna say nothing, nothing else for balls. No. Yankees we will are, have some. Yankees are still the hottest team. Yeah. PLL's gonna start up, too. Some lax. I'm pretty pumped. Come I might on. throw... I wish he could throw futures on college lax. Because I would have bet my savings account on uh, on Maryland at this point. The Terps. Shout out Scott Van Pelt. <laughs> no, SVP's loving it. That would um, be a white whale guest. He just went on a pod. He just went on somebody's pod. We'll get him. We'll get him. Scott Van Pelt. Um, I think that's our show. That's episode 88. We'll, uh, we'll be back in like a week and a half or so. Um... Would you like to tell the world where you're going? I'm going to Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> Casual, low-key. Going to Dubai. Um, got a photo gig. And, yeah, if I'm not here, I hand the reins over to Jake for oh, Beers, God Business, and Balls. But if I'm back, I will Well, share. like if you don't come back? I, I have no idea. I have no idea what the hell is going on. I mean, I, I, ha- I know what I'm doing. I... I'm very thankful and blessed to be able to travel a lot in the past internationally. Obviously, COVID put a wrench into that. So this is my first big trip in a, in a while, like internationally. So knock on wood, cross my fingers, pray to God, no COVID or anything. I can come back safe and sound. But yeah, it is going to be an experience. So if there's any Dubai beer, I don't know what they're... I mean, no, isn't alcohol illegal? But there's clubs. It's like the biggest club That's scene. True. So, like, I doubt they have craft beer. No. <laughs> if I find, I'm going to try some beers from that area and around. And uh, I'll, I'll provide some, some live reviews. But Dubai for a week, and then we'll be back after Memorial Day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that came out of fucking thin air, too. Yeah, no, it was Dubai. so... So, so low key. And then when I found out, I told a couple people and I was kind of like, yeah, if it happens. And then last week, I'm like, wait, are you fucking doing this? You're like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm you'll if I I don't do it, it's Tuesday morning. (laughs) So, but we're here, we're in, we're going to Dubai and then we'll be back. So fingers crossed there. Yeah. Oh, also rough and rowdy balls. Manscaped. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, they're not coming after us if we don't do the research. That is, yeah. Manscaped.com slash house, 20% off and free shipping. Check out our gear at Squad Locker. A lot of good stuff. Oh, yeah. 
Um, we may have left a crumb, a trail of crumbs for what's next with House too on, yeah. on Squat Locker. Um, say if you've been following college basketball, you probably know what we're up to. Shout out John Fanta. Yeah. Oh, engaged. He's married. Or, yeah, not married of, yet. Hall of Fame guest, engaged. Yeah. Let me throw it at the end. <laughs> <laughs> he's so he's our first Hall of Fame guest to get engaged. Good for him. He yeah. was. He had. I'm. I'm just excited for them to start their life together. He's been very vocal. Listen, just talk about work ethic. This man was calling a baseball game, <laughs> posting his engagement in his engagement photos. That's great. He has. Uh, he had six thousand likes on that tweet. The last time. Dude, I the guy puts. The guy puts numbies. The By the puts, time this airs, I'm sure he'll have like 10k. This guy has numbers. It's John Fanta. The Barstool's already calling for him. They can't, no, they can't take him. Cannot take him. Can't take him from... College Hoops Digest. From Austin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. John Fanta, ladies and gentlemen. Hall of Fame guest. Um, that's episode 88. Yeah. We will be back for episode 89. We'll you will make back. it back in one piece. <laughs> if not, I'll have to zoom in from Dubai. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, then the next week, you're going to Bermuda. I'm going to fucking lovely Albany, New York. That same weekend. We'll get some interviews lined up for that, though. Yeah. I'll be in Albany and Charlotte. You'll be in Bermuda. We'll, we'll be back. We'll be back with episode 89. Uh, we are 11 weeks away from episode 100 now, so we're going to have to figure out what the fuck we're doing there. And that's all. That's a wrap. We'll close it here. That's Will, and I'm Jake. So long, everybody. Take it easy.